And Lord, now I also want to pray for, for us as we open up your word. Would you come and strengthen our faith in Christ and deepen our understanding of who you are and what you promise to be and do for us so that this week we can trust you more, be more full of your joy and your peace and your hope and shine with the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Work in my heart as I preach. I need your help, Lord. And work in all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Well, let's start by turning to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. I'd like each of you to have a Bible so that you can read along with us. We're a Bible-focused church here at Mercy Hill, and so it's much more important to me that you leave thinking about what the Bible says as opposed to leave thinking about what I've said, so I want you to be able to read the Bible this morning. Romans 15 is on page 949 in the Bibles that we're just passing out now, Romans 15, 13. So we're in the middle of a series uh, which I've called The Fight of Faith, and what we're aiming at in this series is to wrestle with what does it mean to trust Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, as we go through the different kind of situations we face in our lives. What does it mean to trust Jesus? And last week we raised the question, how does faith in Jesus affect our feelings, our emotions? What impact does faith in Jesus have? And Romans 15:13 tells us how faith in Jesus affects our feelings and emotions. Look at what Paul says here. He's, he's kind of summar, summarizing the last couple chapters, but in some ways the whole book, and he's expressing what he longs will happen in the lives of the Roman believers. And look at what he longs will happen. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope. Now what that means, I just love this. This means that God, when you come to him and trust him through Christ, you always receive hope for your future. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so what Paul desires is that we would have joy and peace and hope. And this is not joy and peace and hope in circumstances. It's not because my kids are behaving today or because I just got a big bonus. This is joy and peace and hope in Jesus. You can see that in the previous verses if you read those this afternoon. This is joy and peace and hope that comes from knowing Jesus. From beholding Jesus in the scriptures, like from feasting on Romans 4 and seeing how Jesus has paid for your sins on the cross and just feasting on the love and the mercy of Jesus displayed in Romans 4. It's Jesus-centered joy and peace and hope. And notice how much of this joy and peace and hope God wants to give to us. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you. If you're filled with joy and peace, that's a lot. May he fill you with all joy and peace. If you've got all joy and peace, that's a lot. And then he wants God to cause us to abound in hope, to overflow in hope, to gush forth with hope. That's a lot. 
So it's a lot, a lot, a lot said three times of joy, peace, and hope in Jesus that Paul longs to have God gives to us. Notice also in this verse, there's something that we do, something we can do to receive the joy, the peace, and the hope in Jesus that God wants to give. It's in those two words, in believing. Believing in faith, it's by trusting Jesus, by having faith in Jesus. That's the means by which God gives us joy and peace and hope in Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is dig deeper. We talked about this last week some. I want us to dig deeper to see how this actually works. So let me just give you a a pretend scenario. This is pretend. Don't get worried about my health. I just made this one up, okay? But let's say, did you hear me say this was pretend? Okay, because you might start seeing these worried expressions. Okay, let's say this last week, I went to the doctor uh, because I wasn't feeling very well. Pretend, let's just say, okay? And, uh, and the doctor runs some tests, and, and then he comes out and he says, Mr. Fuller, um, it's probably nothing, but it might be something very serious, and so we need to run some more tests. Odds are it's probably not, but it might be. You need to run some more tests. Why don't you come back next week? We'll run some more tests to, to see if it's serious or not. And so as I'm driving home after that doctor's appointment, how am I feeling? How would you be feeling? Well, I, I thought of four things I'd be feeling. You can probably add to this list. But I, I think I'd be feeling um, fear because I, I like health. Okay, I like life. I'm used to life. Um, I think I'd be feeling some level of dread, thinking of having to wait until the test next week to hear. That's going to be hard. And then what, what if I hear some like really bad news? I think I'd feel um, a lot of fear and worry about like the worst case scenario and like what if it's really serious and what would Jan do if the Lord took me home? I think I'd, I'd have concern about that. I think I'd probably also be kind of frustrated. It's like, why would this have to happen? You know, things are going fine, aren't they? Didn't need this interruption. This wasn't my idea of a good time. So I think that the kinds of things I'd be feeling would be worry, dread, fear, and frustration kind of along those lines. That's what I'd be feeling as I was driving home. Now, what Romans 15:13 says is that at moments like that, what God wants to do is fill me with all joy and peace and hope in Jesus. That's what God has for me. That's what he wants to give to me. And the way that he will give it to me is through what? Believing. Faith in Jesus. Okay? Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Hello, are you guys awake? Okay. This is, this is the part that you do. God wants to give us joy, peace, and hope in, in Christ. And the way that he does that is in believing. And so as I'm driving home, what I need to be doing is having faith in Jesus. Because as I do that, God will give me all joy and peace and hope in Jesus. But so that raises the question then, okay, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus at a time like that? What does that mean? That's what I want us to talk about this morning. And... And I want you to think about some problem you're facing right now, something that's causing you some level of fear or dread or worry or frustration. And I got a blank in your notes there. You guys are looking at your note sheet. I got a blank there for you where you can write down what problem it is that you're facing. I want you to get really concrete here. We've all got them, okay? You've got one. 
I know you do, okay? Because because you're alive and breathing and you're not in heaven yet. All right, that's how we know. So I want you to write down what yours is. Don't don't copy, okay? Just you just go go with yours. Okay, you can you can use code if you want to. That's all right. Problem three four five B. Okay, whatever you want to do. Okay. Because what I what I want you to do then is is to think as I play out this imaginary doctor's visit, I want you to play out your situation. Because I'm praying that we'll leave here today experiencing God filling us with more joy and peace and hope in Jesus than you walked in with. You've already gotten a lot just through the truths of worship we've been able to sing about and the spiritual gifts that have been shared, but we want even more. Okay, so I'm driving home uh, from the doctor's office. What does it mean for me to trust Jesus, to have faith in Jesus? as I'm driving home. What does it mean for you to have faith in Jesus about that problem that you just wrote down on your sheet of paper? Now, some followers of Jesus think, when they think faith, all that they've been taught is that faith means believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so you can be forgiven. That's all that they've ever heard about faith. I want to say two things about that. One is that that is precious beyond words. That is An amazing truth. And if that isn't true, I have nothing more to say. Let's just go home and watch, was it Tour de France going on now or something? Anyway, there's some kind of bike race going on out here we could go watch. But if Jesus didn't die on the cross to pay for my sins, then I'm undone. Because what this means is that I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned, and God sent Jesus so we could be forgiven because he punished our sins in Jesus so that I wouldn't need to be forgiven, uh, wouldn't need to be punished, I can be forgiven and can come into relationship with God so he can give me joy, peace, and hope in Jesus. So that's a very powerful, precious truth, but faith in Jesus means more than just that. That's huge, that's like the most important, but there's more. And if you think faith in Jesus is just believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, you're going to have a hard time thinking, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus with that problem you just wrote down? Because how does that intersect? The way that it intersects is that because we're forgiven, all the rest of Jesus' promises can be true for us. So, what does Jesus promise then about me as I'm driving home from this doctor's visit? What more does faith in Jesus mean? Other followers of Jesus think that faith in Jesus means believing that he won't let anything bad happen to you. Or, if something bad happens, he will deliver you from it and take the bad thing away. I don't think this is what the Bible teaches. He does that at times. Thank you, Lord. He does it at times. But he doesn't always do it, and he doesn't promise to always do it. But I find a lot of followers of Jesus get confused here. And so, so they might think, if that's, where my, if that's what I was thinking, I'm driving home from the doctor's office, I'd be trying to be positive. It's going to be okay. You know, the doctor said probably a 70% chance I'd be fine. It's going to be all right. Nothing bad's going to happen. God loves me. God would never let anything bad happen to me. Think positive, don't go there. Think positive, don't go there. That's not faith in Jesus. It's not faith in Jesus. That's just trying to be positive. Because while Jesus can heal, and if you've experienced that, okay, he doesn't always heal. The same loving, gracious, kind, good God who through Jesus can bring healing upon someone, the same loving, wise, good God at times will choose not to heal someone. 
Loving, good, kind in both cases. He's infinitely wise. And so he never promises that he'll take away all of your problems. He never promises that he will solve all of your difficulties. He will at times do that. We always should pray for healing. We always should pray, take this problem away. Always pray that. And he often will. But he may not. And so faith in Jesus doesn't mean focusing on, he's going to take this problem away, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be healthy. That's not what it would mean for me to have faith in Jesus as I'm driving home from the doctor. Now if that raises some questions in your mind, jot them down, because we may have time for some questions towards the end here. So, so where does this leave us? I've just said two things it doesn't mean. Okay? So I'm still driving home from the doctor's office. I'm still feeling fear and dread and worry and frustration. You've still got whatever problem you wrote down on the sheet there. God still has joy, peace and hope he wants to give. You give me through faith in Jesus. So what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? And to answer that question, we've got to dig a little deeper and say, what does Jesus promise? What does he promise to do all the time? Every time we come to him and set our hearts upon him and trust him and ask him. What does Jesus promise to do every single time? And I want to get real specific about this because there's been times in my life where I've been very vague on what faith meant. Faith just means trusting Jesus. and Very vague. What does that mean really specifically? And I want us as a church to be free from cliches, free from Christianese. I want us to be able to talk reality. As I'm driving home from the doctor's office, having gotten potential bad news, what really does it mean for me to trust Jesus? I need to know. You need to know about that problem you wrote down there. Faith in Jesus is the whole Christian life. We've got to know, really, tangibly, this is what Jesus promises to do all the time. You need to know for your own life. We need to know because as we're in community here, gospeling each other and building each other up in the faith, we need to be able to speak the truth of Jesus to each other in our home groups and build each other up. So what does Jesus promise to do for us? What does he promise to do if you're facing serious illness or like a really frustrating boss or there's a sin in your life you're just struggling with or just whatever situation it is that you wrote down there? What does Jesus promise to do? Now, I want you to do your own study on this to see if you agree with me, but I, I think there's two main categories that all of Jesus' promises, most of them, can come under. And let me share them with you, both of them, and then see how this impacts us. First of all, Jesus promises to give us all satisfying joy in himself, not in our circumstances, not in a stress-free life, but to give us all satisfying joy in himself, now and forever. Let me give you some scriptures. First is John 6.35. We've got it up here on the screen, so you don't need to look them up for the sake of time. John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That is an amazing promise. Lots of heart hungers and thirsts here in this room. 
every heart, hunger, and thirst you have, Jesus says, if you come to Him, if you'll believe in Him and trust in Him, you'll be satisfied. You will have that heart, hunger, or thirst satisfied. See, no other joy can make this promise. Right? I mean, think of the joys you've pursued. Money can't make that promise. Sex can't make that promise. Jobs can't make that promise. Shopping can't make that promise. Not even at Valley Fair. Um, you just go down through the list. Nothing else can make the promise that every heart, hunger, and thirst you have will be satisfied in it because only Jesus can be the all-satisfying joy because He's God. And you've got a God-shaped empty place in your heart. Look at Psalm 1611. Back to the Old Testament. David says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. All the different things we've pursued in life, none of them have given you fullness of joy except for Jesus. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Only the joy of God's presence in Jesus is both full and forever. Okay? Mm. Psalm 43.4. This is an amazing Old Testament statement. Psalmist says, Then I will go to the altar of God, and look at what he calls God. Would you call God this? To God, my exceeding joy. When was the last time you called God, Hello, my exceeding joy. What has been your highest joy over the last month, say? Just look back. You know. What's been your highest joy? If it hasn't been knowing God in Jesus, you've been settling for way too little joy. You've been stumbling along in these lower levels of joy. John four thirteen through fourteen. One more. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus said to her. Everyone who drinks of this water, the well water, will be thirsty again. That's how physical water, physical thirst works. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, different water, living water, the water of his presence, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So in all these verses, all together, and there's dozens more, is that they show that Jesus promises to give you all satisfying joy in him. And see, this is huge because what, what you all want, what I want, is all satisfying joy. And it's good that you want that. It's right that you want that because God has put that desire in you. See, too often we get the wrong idea about what Jesus taught. Jesus' whole teaching isn't, you guys are seeking joy too much. You've got to settle for little by following, for little, for less by following me. It's not what Jesus says. What Jesus would say to us is, you are settling for far too little joy if you're not following me. You're settling for this, the little joys that are there. When full and forever joy is offered you in knowing me. So none of us seeks for joy too much. Most all of us seek for joy too little. Because the all-satisfying, highest, fullest, lastingest joy is only found in knowing Jesus Christ. And that's the first promise that he makes. Now, now just, let me just clarify 
This is not joy in your circumstances going well. This is a joy that you can have when the circumstances are bleak. Many of you have experienced this. I know many of you have gone through tremendous suffering and you have been rock solidly at peace and radiant with joy in Jesus in the thick of it. So this isn't circumstantial. Let me give you a little quiz here. It's a little pop quiz. Let's say that, that uh, I walk up to you and I say, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling pretty good about things. Like my marriage is going well and my kids are doing well and my job's doing well and I'm not really feeling a lot about Jesus, but you know, I'm feeling pretty well about stuff. Is that the joy we're talking about here? Thank you. Yes. No. Okay, no is the right answer. It's not. So Jesus promises to give us all satisfying joy in him. Okay, so now here I am driving home from the doctor's office. And here you are with whatever problem you wrote down on your sheet of paper. What would it mean to have faith in Jesus? The first thing it means, number one, is talking to Jesus about how, Jesus, you are my all-satisfying joy. You are. Health is not. You are. A life free from hassles with medical insurance and, you know, complications and who knows what this might mean for me health-wise. A life free from those complications, that's not my all-satisfying joy. You, Jesus, are my all-satisfying joy. Even physical life, even, even, even being alive here on the earth is not my all-satisfying joy. You are my all-satisfying joy now and, and forever after death. So I, I would just be praying things like, give me joy in you now. I'm feeling fearful. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling frustrated. But you are my joy. Help me to see you more clearly now. I might think over my mind, John 6.35 and Psalm 16.11 and John 4 and Psalm 43 and just talk to Jesus about these truths and ask him for his help and set my heart upon him and think about him and, and thank him and worship him and behold him and fight the fight of faith until joy breaks in on me. Peace just breaks in on me. That's what it means to have faith in Jesus. And so that's the first step you should take with whatever problem you're facing. Because what Jesus will always do, number one, is he will give you all satisfying joy in himself as you trust him, have faith in him, talk to him, seek him. Now that first promise, though, doesn't take care of all of our concerns, okay? I, I would still have some other concerns as I'm driving home from the doctor's office. I'd be thinking about medical bills, money. I'd be thinking about, am I going to have grace to continue faithful to Jesus if I get really seriously sick? Will I, will I stumble? Will I curse him? Will I fall from him? I'd think about, what's Jan going to do if I get really seriously sick? So I'd have other concerns as well, which is why this second category of Jesus' promise is so precious. So here's the second thing that Jesus always promises to do. Jesus promises to orchestrate and provide everything to give us all satisfying joy in him. A couple of scriptures. Romans 8.28, very common scripture, but this is where I get the idea of orchestrating everything. All of my circumstances, all the cells in my body, every relationship you're in, every cent in your checkbook and bill that comes in. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So what this means is that God will work everything, every circumstance, every detail, every word spoken, every cell in your body, every doctor's test, everything, he will work for good. And from Genesis to Revelation, the good is all satisfying joy, knowing God in the person of Jesus. That's what he promises here. So he will orchestrate everything that happens. So, okay, I, I was saying, let's go to the verse. First John 1 9. Some other examples. I didn't put First John 1 9 in there. Okay, I'll just hold, hold on to that. That's fine there, Jed. So, God will orchestrate everything in your circumstances to bring you all satisfying joy in Him, and He will provide everything you need. So, I put First John 1 9 in my notes, which is where He promises forgiveness. All the forgiveness I'm going to need for my sin for the rest of my life is provided in Jesus so I can have all satisfying joy in Him forever. The cross will be there for me tomorrow and next week and next year and 20 years down the road. All the wisdom I need. James 1.5, that's the one that's next up on the screen. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives wisdom generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. All the wisdom that you will need for the rest of your life to follow the path Jesus has for you so that you can have all satisfying joy in Him. He will give you all the wisdom that you need. All of it. You will never be without the wisdom you need for medical decisions, for child-raising decisions, for career decisions. You'll never lack wisdom. He promises to give it if we ask Him. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul has just been talking about going, uh, experiencing a time of poverty. And he says, God can strengthen me. God will strengthen me if I need to go through poverty. God will strengthen me if I need to go through medical testing. God will strengthen you if you go through layoffs. God will give you all the strength that you need for every problem you will ever face in Jesus Christ. Every time, you'll be strong. Philippians 4.13. The last one, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. See, with all of these things that are true, this does not mean that as God gives us joy and peace and hope, that all of a sudden we're just smiling, there's no tears, there's no grief, there's no sorrow. It's not what it means. It might mean that, but not necessarily. Um, What it means is that in the sorrow of the difficulty you're in, God's presence, Jesus' presence can so cover you and so surround that fear and that grief um, and so that you're comforted. Peace comes into the fear and comfort comes to the grief and the sorrow. His presence comes. His love is there. His nearness is there. And so in your tears, you can feel his strength and his peace and his joy breaking in upon you. And so it can be mingled with tears and mingled with grief. Okay, so if I'm driving home from the doctor's office... I'm thinking about, I might have to make decisions about medical issues. I'm going to need wisdom to how to encourage Jan and help her with this. We might need finances if additional medical bills come in. Um, I'm going to need forgiveness if I fall into bitterness against God. I'm going to need grace to keep me from stumbling. All these things that I'm going to need are these next weeks. Jesus says, I am going to orchestrate everything, and I'm going to provide Everything you need. 
to bring you the all-satisfying joy of knowing me through these next weeks and months and years. I'm going to provide everything for you that you need and work all the details of this medical situation out for you. Now, I'd also be praying for healing on the way home. In fact, I might call Jan on the cell phone and say, pray. I might call some of you elders, pray, you know, home group leaders, pray for my home group, pray for me. So don't stop praying for healing. Can we be a church who both believes that Jesus supernaturally heals without having to teach that God will always heal you if you just believe strong enough? Can we do that? We have to do that. One or the other, if we skip it, it's not biblical. That's the biblical position. And too often we have churches that do one or the other. And I understand it's, it's hard to maintain that balance. But the Bible teaches both that God does supernaturally, miraculously heal. And the Bible teaches that in His best, perfect, lovingest will, there's times where He doesn't heal. And it's not because you didn't believe. It's not because of sin in your life. It's because He's giving you a gift. There's a gift of a special nearness and closeness to the living Jesus that he has for you in and through the sickness that's going to be a precious gift that one day and now ahead of time as you trust him, you'll thank him for. Okay, that's just a little side note there. So those are the two categories of promise that Jesus will always do for us. Number one, as we come to him through the cross, trusting him, He will give us all satisfying joy in Himself. And secondly, as we come to Him and trust Him, He promises to orchestrate everything. Remember, He's sovereign over what everybody does. He's sovereign over every circumstance. He's in control of everything. Nothing's outside of His control. So He will orchestrate everything and provide everything you need to bring you into all satisfying joy in Him. Okay, so then what happens as we have this faith in Jesus. What's going to happen to our hearts? What's going to happen is that, just like Romans 15, 13 says, God will will fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and you'll abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your feelings will change. They will be changed. This is a process. It's called a fight of faith, but the change will occur. Now, I wanted to give you an illustration, Um, and I hope you'll bear with me. This is a little bit out there. But um, hang in there. Okay, I think, it's, I, I think it's helpful. I ran it all by Jan, and she thought it was pretty helpful. Okay. All right. Let's say you lived in an alternate universe. <laughs> We're off to a very bad start here. Okay, let's say you lived in an alternate universe where the all-satisfying joy was chocolate. Okay? That is the all-satisfying joy. But... You've never tasted chocolate. For whatever reason, you haven't figured that out yet. And so you've been living on oatmeal. All right? Now, oatmeal's partially satisfying. Okay? It's not all satisfying. That's chocolate. But you haven't tasted chocolate yet. So you, you've been living on partially satisfying oatmeal. Okay? And it's kept you alive, barely, you know. You haven't been all satisfied, but okay, you're hanging in there. All right? Um, but then one day, you hear that the dreaded oat blight is spreading through all the oat crops. Is this just like too much? Are you, are you with me? Okay. And there's the possibility that all oats are going to be destroyed all over the whole globe and there will be no more oatmeal. Now, you've been living on oatmeal all your life, so how are you going to feel at that point? 
All right, this makes sense, right? Are you with me? You're going to feel some level of worry, fear, concern, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, oatmeal. I'm, I'm not going to have my oatmeal anymore. What am I going to do? You'd feel that. And that'd be an appropriate thing to feel. But then, then somebody, a Christian, walks up to you and says, I've got good news. Your all-satisfying joy is chocolate in this alternate universe, okay? And so, so you'd... And, and this, this Christian would have a sample for you, okay? And so you've never seen these before. You're thinking, what is that? He says, this is chocolate. This is the all-satisfying joy. Let me tell you. And then, and then and just even smelling it, I'm getting satisfied. Okay, so, so then for the first time ever, you would eat this chocolate, and it's like, this is amazing. I have never been satisfied like this before. <laughs> oatmeal. Forget the oatmeal. <laughs> Bring on the chocolate. Okay? This is wonderful. And even just smelling it. I mean, this is, wow. If you guys... Okay, so... Not yet. Not yet. Now, at that point, as you're eating this chocolate and you're all satisfied, now how are you feeling? You're feeling peaceful. And you're feeling joy and your future's looking good. Even though the oat blight could just... Oat blight could destroy all the all the oats in the world. Okay, so see, do you see what I'm getting at? That's what it means to trust Jesus for the first promise. Every problem you wrote down there, my potential fictional health problem, is shaking something that's not your all-satisfying joy. Just like having oatmeal be gone would be troubling to me if I didn't know what the all-satisfying joy was. But all that's being shaken is a joy that's not my all-satisfying joy. Every problem you wrote down there. And so to trust Jesus means to look to him as your all-satisfying joy and to say, it'd be hard to lose my health. It'd be hard to have extra medical bills. It'd be hard to have Jan have me be taken home first. But you are my all-satisfying joy. And we'll come to how you're going to take care of Jan in a moment. But you are my all-satisfying joy. Come and satisfy my soul now so that I meet you and know you afresh and am filled and satisfied and can be strong for whatever you have to have happen through the situation. Does that make sense? Okay. So there you are. And oatmeal, let it go. I got the all-satisfying joy. Now, what if the next thing you heard is that the price of chocolate was going to go to $1,000 an ounce? You pull out your wallet, you know, you look, thinking this is going to be a problem. And so all of a sudden, the question is, will you be provided chocolate? Will you be provided what's all satisfying for the next years of your life? And if you found out that chocolate was going to go to $1,000 an ounce, you'd feel fear and worry and frustration and concern, wouldn't you? Because now your all satisfying joy is being threatened, right? But then what if Bill Gates called you up? You heard about your plight? And he said, I'm going to devote all of my financial resources to providing you all the chocolate that you need for the rest of your life. Then how would you feel? You'd feel great again. Peace and joy and hope. Okay, because in that alternate universe, he's providing all, all the all-satisfying joy that you need. And so that's what it means to trust Jesus' second promise. It means that he promises whatever problem you are down there on your sheet, he will orchestrate everything about that problem and he will provide everything you need in that problem to bring you and to satisfy you with the all-satisfying joy of knowing him. He will take care of it all. And so as, you, as I'm driving home and I'm looking to Jesus and I'm saying, Jesus, provide the wisdom that I need 
provide the strength that I need. Give me the grace that I need. Give Jan the grace and the comfort that she's going to need. I can be absolutely confident that he will do exactly that. And so these are the two promises of what Jesus will always do. Always. As you come to him and you trust his death on the cross and you're living by faith in him, you can trust that he's going to satisfy, he's going to bring you the all-satisfying joy of knowing him and he's going to orchestrate and provide everything that you need in order to have the all-satisfying joy of knowing him. So here's what I want you to work on this week. Here's what I want to work on this week. In fact, we're going, to have, we're going to pass little chocolate pieces out to you when you leave today so that you can think about this, just to make this... And if you're allergic to chocolate, we're sorry, but the Lord will give you all the satisfying joy in Jesus instead of the chocolate. Um, but here's... Because we're, we're wrestling with what does it mean to have faith in Jesus in everyday, ordinary situations that we're in? And so what do you do when you feel your heart becoming fearful or discouraged or impatient or aggravated or whatever? And so what I want to work on myself, what I want to encourage all of us to do is to focus on these two certain and sure promises. Jesus will give you all satisfying joy in knowing him. And so set your heart on him as your all satisfying joy. Come to him through the cross. Receive whatever forgiveness is needed. Set your heart upon him. Talk to him. Thank him. Open up the scriptures. Ponder who he is, what he's done. His love, his goodness, his care, his help, his promises. And as you fight the fight of faith, you will experience peace filling your heart and joy breaking upon you in the midst of what you're experiencing and then take every other question or worry to him because he will orchestrate everything and provide everything that you need and so get in the habit of when you find yourself with fear worry concern apprehension impatience frustration hopelessness discouragement despair whatever it might be turn to Jesus two promises he will give you all satisfying joy in himself and he'll orchestrate and provide everything else you need to have all satisfying joy in him. So stand together. And then in your home groups, let's talk about how this is going. And what questions has this raised? And did you come up against some roadblocks? So Lord, I pray for us as a church. We want to be a people who trust you, Jesus. And you promise to give us all satisfying joy in yourself. And I pray, Lord, that you would pour out joy, peace, and hope upon us this week. That as we face difficulties, fears, situations where we're impatient or discouraged, that we would turn to you. Trust you as our all-satisfying joy. Trust you to orchestrate and provide everything we need. And that you would do what you've promised. Bring us that joy, that peace, that hope in Jesus so we can be strengthened and sustained. I pray that this would happen this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, that you give us good times in our home groups wrestling with how this is going, and that you'd be growing us in these next weeks as a church to trust you. So bring your power upon us, Lord, I pray. Let me just pray one more thing. Some of you, maybe it's been a long time since you have experienced joy in knowing Jesus. Maybe it's just been mostly a head thing, a a fact thing. And boy, facts are really important and doctrine's really, really important, but it's not everything. And so Lord, I pray for those for whom it's been a while since they've tasted of you as their all-exceeding joy. And would you give that to them this week, even now, Lord?
even now as they're before you, break joy upon them as they set their hearts upon you and trust you.